0: So things haven't turned out as you hoped. Life took a turn, a bump, a darkened sky. And at times it may have seemed there was no hope. But here's the good news. Our God is the God of fresh starts. Our God is the God of new beginnings. Our God brings new mercies, new compassions, not just once a year, not just when things are bad, but every single morning. This season has been tough. And for many of us, things will never be the same. But we are here, breathing. Maybe smiling. Or crying. Or shouting. Or laughing. But we are here feeling, maybe fighting, or cheering, or seeking, or grieving, but we are here, living, and we are not alone. Our God is here. Our God is with us, and our God is the God of new creations.
1: Oh, and so church family, it is always good to see you, but especially in this new year. Uh, Would you pray with me? Let's ask God to bless the preaching of the word. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that in these moments we get to block out everything else. We don't have to worry about our work or what's going on for the rest of the day. We simply get to hear your voice. (laughs) What a comfort that is. And so may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Happy 2023. It's here. Uh, We didn't stop it. Uh, The world is still spinning. And as we begin 2023, I have a question for you. What do we need more of this year? Do we need more of us, or do we need more of God? Now, as you're thinking about that, I shared a Christmas Day devotional that uh, referenced John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was known for saying, I must decrease so that he can increase. The reality of a new year is that we can't operate by our own strength, our own wisdom, our own love. We need God's for all of that. And an illustration that helps me remember this uh, is uh, with a mop or if you had a broom. Have you ever tried to balance one of these? It's something you would try out at home. Uh, It's really interesting. If you try to balance it a certain way, it doesn't work. So let me show you the way that doesn't work first. If I have this up and I look down at where my hand is, it's not going to go well. Are you ready? So I'm going to let go. I'm going to look down. And I don't know where it's leaning. I, I don't know where it's going to topple. And so even though I'm halfway coordinated, when I look down, I don't know what's going to happen. So you ever tried this with a mop or a broom? The, the trick is to look up. Now, again, I'm not super athletic, but I think I got this. Are you ready? So as I look up, I might do the salsa a little bit. But, like, I could do this, right? Like, this is sustainable, Uh, it's not because I'm handy, it's just that I'm I'm looking at the right spot. You know, I I know what to do with my hand now, right? So it is with our lives. As we begin the new year, with everything that's going on, with all the trials that'll come our way, if all we do is look down, if we look to ourselves and think that we're going to be enough, it's going to crash. Because we're not. But if we continue to look up, And consider God's faithfulness, God's almighty power, God's strength and his love. He can get us through 2023 and to the next and to the next until he finally returns. He's always enough. And the reason this is so important is because as we enter a new year, there's a a type of blindness that we have. And the blindness has to do with the obstacles that we cannot yet see. Let me explain the blindness in the realm of New Year's resolutions. I don't know, have you ever made a resolution? Um, I don't know if you've uh, made one for 2023. Maybe you've given up on them. Well, I have a theory on why they don't work. And, and let's just take, um, I, I don't know, let, let's do a, a popular one. Let's, let's do eat healthy. So if that was my New Year's resolution, it takes me about 15 minutes to write out a plan where I can get 1,500 calories for the day. Like I can write that down. And with the help of an app called MyFitnessPal, I can plug that in. I even know my macros, you know, get them all right. And in 15 minutes, I can plan, like, yep, egg whites and sausage for breakfast, salad and chicken breast for lunch, uh, six ounces of steak and a potato, and there I go. But with my 15 minutes of perfect planning, what I don't put on paper is the obstacles. For example, I'm not considering how after days of this, I'm going to wake up at 2 a.m. How many of you wake up at 2 a.m.? Is it just me? And and I'm going to wake up with an empty stomach and it's going to be growling so much that unless I break my plan and eat something, (laughs) I'm not going back to bed. What that plan that I made in 15 minutes does not consider is the obstacle called grade school basketball. And after I go to a game and it's, 7 o'clock, and the whole team is eating at Culver's, I'm going to be wanting to eat at Culver's too, and that's going to break the plan. What's not going to help is the idea that I am a stress eater. Anyone else a stress eater? And so when I am feeling it, I'm going to want to break the plan. See, what happens when we consider new opportunities, new things, new new years, is we see all the new opportunities with rose-colored glasses, and we can't see the obstacles. We don't know them yet. And so there's the need for our our first fill in. Our first fill in is this idea that there will be trials. We don't know them yet, but that also means there will be the need for God in 2023. And that's why I'm excited uh, to start this series called New Mercies. and a little bit of where it's drawn from. I don't know if you've heard the phrase that is, mercies are new every morning. Um, you can find it on Pinterest or on Facebook. In fact, we have a member who posts this every, every day. Every day posts it on their Facebook. I can go there and see new, new mercies every morning. It's really interesting the context from which this is drawn. So the book of Lamentations, as you might imagine, is lamenting about the dire circumstances going on. And what's going on is that they were facing the punishment of their rebellion. See, God had planned that they would go into exile and the nation of Babylon would siege Jerusalem, would destroy the temple and take some away as exiles. And this is the book written at that time period. When they see their temple destroyed, when their family is separated from their homes and they're going off into exile, these are the words that are written of that time. And yet they have hope. And I love these words. Drawn from that context, by the mercies of the Lord, we are not consumed. His compassions do not fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. They were confessing that as much as we endure, as much as we suffer, God's grace and his mercy will go further. And that's what I'm here to tell you today as well. We don't have to worry the trials, the obstacles that will come. Because the comfort of our God, the grace of our God, the mercy of our God, it will always go further. And so I'm so excited to talk about um, the comfort that we receive from God today. In the coming weeks, we're going to talk about uh, the new and daily provisions that he has for us in the face of inflation and recession. We're going to talk about the new confidence that we can have because of his promises and the new ownership that we have because we are his And what a great way. The goal of this series is to start off the year with the identification, we need God. So the words that we're going to consider um, are from the book of 2 Corinthians. Um, And a a little bit about these words before we dive in them there. uh, In the worship folder or if you brought your Bible. Um, Sometimes as a pastor, I'm honored to get the phone call of someone who needs a devotion or someone who needs a good word. And every now and then, I, I get a phone call of the worst that life has. There was a death, there was a tragedy. And when I'm facing those circumstances and I'm wrecking my brain, what's going to bring hope? What's going to bring perspective from our God? These are the words that I usually go to. The words that we're going to consider. Because in less than four verses, um, we're reminded of comfort nine times because of who God is. And so I'm so excited to dive into them with you this morning And just dwell deeply in what our God says. All right, 2 Corinthians, here we go. It says Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. This next verse, if you're looking for a verse for the year, it's a pretty great one. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us and answer the prayers of many. These are the words we're going to consider. Could you say out loud or to someone next to you, comfort is here. Comfort is here. All right, so new year uh, brings new possibilities, new opportunities. And uh, it's funny how life always changes with things that have been created and and by what people do. I I still remember when my life changed through the iPhone. I don't know if you remember your first time with a smartphone. That was a change. Um, I I still remember hybrid technology, um, you know, and how that changed my life, you know, happy Prius driver. Um, But but I I wanted to focus on one change in particular that that I really appreciate because it has to do with food, which is the invention of pizza. Is anyone else glad that someone sat down and had the idea of pizza? So I was doing some research on on who could get the credit for being the father of pizza. Now, now some say it went back to the B.C.s, that even in 500 B.C. they were talking about bread and cheese and meat. But if you do research, maybe you'll find what I did. It goes back to Naples, Italy, and a name, uh, Raffaello Esposito. Now, the story goes this way, that he was making a pizza for Queen Margarita. And the pizza that he was going to make was the margarita pizza with basil and with mozzarella and with tomatoes. And so today, you can go to Naples, Italy, and you can find the place where it was made. It's Pizzeria Brandy and celebrates the father of pizza in 1889, Raffaello Esposito. Now, it's one thing to create and, and to father pizza, It's another thing to identify what God has created, what He is the Father of. I had fun researching the verses today because as I was researching who our God is, it said that God is really the Father of all emotions. God is the one who created all the feels. But there is one emotion in particular that He's credited for, that He's called the Father of, that I'm so glad He is. Paul picks up on the idea that he is the father of compassion. Now, have you ever felt compassion? It's this idea that your heart is going out to someone. Uh, Maybe you're watching a commercial and you saw that dog, you saw that child, and your heart went out for that situation. Maybe that's your family and you're thinking about who's not doing so well. And you know what it's like to grieve because they're grieving. Maybe for you it's a co-worker who is having a bad day and you went to work and, and man, you tried hard to make their day a little bit better uh, because you had compassion. Well, today, God reminds us, you know where you got that from, this idea that you would care for someone, your heart would go out from someone? You got it from me. I created that because that's what I feel for you. and It's one of the reasons that we can rely on new comforts we can rely on it because God came up with the idea of caring, the idea of his heart going out to those who are in distress. And the Bible's chock full of examples of compassion. I was wrecking my mind to think of a good one. Well, I think of the garden where they sinned and God could have gave up, but in his mercy he promised a savior. I consider a little one, while they were naked, he made clothing for them. That was nice, thank you. But because we just celebrated Christmas and we... Thought of Mary, who held this child and wrapped him up in swaddling clothes and pondered all these things. I want to tell you the story of Jesus and Mary. So, this baby grew to become a man. And in 33 years, his life would culminate on the cross. On the worst day, on a day we call Good Friday, when the sky turned black and his agony was most intense as he was dying on the cross. It is there that Jesus exhibited remarkable compassion. He was hanging on the cross and his mother was right in front of him. And John records this account that when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said, woman, here is your son. And the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. When he was suffering so severely, he still cared about mom, mom, don't worry. You'll be okay, Mom. It's something we need to know about our God. As we go through things, we need to know that no one else on the planet has a heart bigger than our God. We need to know how heaven is reacting when we're going through tough times. And from this, I don't get the sense that the knee-jerk reaction of our suffering is for heaven to say, suck it up, buttercup. You ever have someone tell you that? You're in the midst of your suffering and they're, suck it up, buttercup. That's not what I get from our God. The knee-jerk reaction of heaven to anything that we go through is care. is someone who's going to weep with you, someone who's going to walk with you, someone who wants to make it better and can. That is the God we've come to celebrate, a compassionate and gracious and merciful God. And it's so important because trials are coming. Trials are coming. That's something I saw so clearly in the lesson, in the words that Paul said. I'd have you consider these words once again. Paul said, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ. Now, consider what he said. He didn't say if. Well, he's like, 2023, if you share in the sufferings of Christ. He didn't say, well, you may suffer with Christ or you might suffer with Christ. No, no, no you will share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ. And I need to pause and I need to tangent teach, and I'll get back to our regular scheduled programming on comfort, but I need to tangent teach on suffering because something right now that's going on in Christian circles is kind of weird. Many Christians believe that if it doesn't feel good, it ain't good. Many Christians believe that if it didn't feel good while I was doing it, maybe I should stop doing it, maybe I should reverse course, maybe I should do something else, and we judge what we should be doing based on our feelings of goodness. Now, I heard a pastor talk about this, and uh, and he was describing a correlation of like what it felt like to obey mom and dad as a kid. Do you guys remember this, what it was like to obey mom and dad as a kid? Or maybe you have some kids of your own. When mom and dad tell you to do the dishes, how great does that feel when you're in the midst of doing something else? If you have kids, you know what it's like. You you tell them, okay, I need you to wash the dishes. You remind them a second time, a third time. They're finally there. I could be watching YouTube. Mom, someone just Snapchatted me. Can Can I look at the streak real quick? No, it doesn't always feel good. Do you remember what it was like? You observe what it was like. And yet obedience is still good. Dear Christian family, is it possible that when we serve our Heavenly Father, it's not always going to feel good? It's not only possible, it's probable, it's likely, it's going to happen. We live in a world where there are other options rather than sacrifice, rather than service, rather than obedience. And even though it doesn't feel good, it doesn't mean it isn't good. It is good, even when it doesn't feel good, to live in obedience to our Lord. Dear friends, we will suffer abundantly like Jesus Christ. I saw this in the life of a man named um, Pastor Paul David Tripp. I read read recently uh, his book called Suffering and Gospel Hope, and it was based on his experience, a, a health incident that he had, Um, he, He went to the ER and he said that for 36 hours in the ER, his whole body was spasming and he was in such intense pain that all he could do was cry out, God help me, God help me, God help me. Now the doctors figured out that he was suffering from adrenal failure or basically his kidneys were dying. And after this experience, his kidneys were never the same and it totally changed his life. He had to rethink how he did everything as a pastor, everything in his life because of this episode, this this health circumstance. Now in the book, as he relates to this period of suffering, he also relates what he found in, in God's faithfulness and he shared these words. He said, Weakness simply demonstrates what has been true all along. We are completely dependent on God for life and breath and everything else. Weakness was not the end for me, but a new beginning. Because weakness provides the context in which true strength is found. What is true strength, friends? It's God's strength. It's God showing up when we can't show up. It's God pulling us up and pulling us out when we cannot buy our own. You know, that's also what the Apostle Paul found. The Apostle Paul uh, was in a, a circumstance so severe I want you to look again at verse 8. So verse 8, he says, we are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Paul is saying, I know what it's like to not want to be here. I know what it's like to to wish to die because the circumstances are too much. I can't handle it. It's overwhelming. Paul's like, yeah, I've been there. And so you might wonder, well, Paul, what was your circumstance. Now, Bible commentators kind of dig in and they say, it may have been the riot in Ephesus. Paul, in one of his preaching stops, stopped in Ephesus and the gospel took root so effectively that the people selling idols could no longer sell as many. So, he was disrupting economy. And the blacksmiths, they revolted. They they rioted because their income was being affected. And so these blacksmiths wanted to root out the the cause of the economic dysfunction and they wanted to root out Paul. There was a mob. They wanted to take his life. And yet, he was delivered. And the Apostle Paul said before a Paul-David trip, and perhaps eloquently and for sure under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, but this happened. Why, why, Why do bad things happen? So that... We might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And so something that we know, new comforts are found because God uses suffering to draw us to him. Even when he allows, whatever he allows, it's the opportunity to say, you are strong, you need to be strong because I need you. But we need these reminders often especially as successful Americans, especially in this culture. Because I'm still hearing the Christian lie, and perhaps you've heard it, perhaps you've said it. I think I've said it along the way, so I'm not trying to judge. And I think people mean well when they say this lie, but it's so far from the truth. They say, God won't give me more than I can handle. You've you've heard this one, right? Covered this one? That's such a lie. God always gives us more than we can handle. Not more than he can handle, but more than we can handle. Every day, I can't handle breathing on my own, friends. I can't handle work on my own. I can't handle marriage. I can't handle raising kids on my own. In all of those circumstances, I need God. And so today, as we begin this new year, perhaps it's an opportunity to repent for all the times that we thought we were enough. We thought we were good enough and we were strong enough and we had enough wisdom and we had enough love and we really didn't need anyone else. John Calvin had something to say about our proclivities. John Calvin said, As this malady of self-reliance is so deeply rooted in the minds of men that even the most advanced are not thoroughly purged from it until God sets death before their eyes. Basically, the only time we'll admit we're not enough is when we face the one thing that we all know we're not enough for, which is death. And as we've just confessed, we're not enough. What's the good news? Hmm. It's that Jesus is. It's that when we're not strong, he is. And when we don't have answers, he does. And when we face the greatest obstacle, death for our sins, we have Jesus who went toe-to-toe with our enemy death and climbed out of the tomb three days later to assure us that we can praise our God who has delivered us from all trials and even death itself. Hallelujah for the strength of our God that gives us such peace. Because we don't have to rely on ourselves any longer. Not for this day, not for salvation, not for nothing, because we can rely on Him. So before we go today, I wanted to talk a little bit about the greatness of His strength and what it could mean for us. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you were looking for answers, but you couldn't find any. I know it's always frustrating medically um, when, when you have something going on, and you're like, man, I, I wish I knew what was going on. Um, I forget what we're in right now, the, the triple the trilemic, the three things that are going on. And you might wonder, well, like, which one do I have? I don't know, I just don't feel good. <laughs> for me, I was reminded of this um, dealing with kids and homework. Um, I don't know if you've ever helped your kids with their homework, Nadia brought some vocab words. She's an eighth grader, and um, I'm not sure Kat and I were helpful. <laughs> I'm not sure we helped her grade because these problems were over our heads, so we were doing our best. I was trying to use my Latin. I was doing all that, right? But that's the world we live in. We're going we're gonna to have problems, and, and we don't always have the answers. We can't always see the specialist. We, we don't always know what the answer is. Something I love about our God is that God is not the God of some problems and some troubles. God is not coming up to you today and saying, don't worry, I got the big ones, sin, death, and the devil. But when it comes to marriage, raising the kids, and inflation, you're on your own. Good luck. No. What did Paul say about our God? He said, he comforts us in, what's that word? all troubles. What this means is I can go to God when I have a big problem like stage 4 cancer and I can also go to God when I have a small problem like a headache. I can go to God with a big problem in my marriage. Someone who's unfaithful. Ah! And I can go to a small problem when that child who's in my family is so annoying. I go to the big problems in the job and say, man, I need to change jobs. I don't know what I'm going to find, but I know I need to. And I go to them, the small ones, God, I just, I don't have strength for today. I don't have passion for today. I don't have emotion for today. Please help me. And your God shows up for every one of them. Yeah, something I love that reminded me of this is, is Jesus' first miracle. So Jesus starts his ministry And you might like wonder, like, what is the miracle to prove you're God? And and I sometimes think, like, what if I was God? What would I do? And and so my mind went to like cueing Lazarus. Hey, Lazarus, we're up. Don't worry, in four days you'll be fine. This is for showing my glory. You know, I I would make a big splash, everyone would know that I was God. Lazarus, come out, that'd be mine. You know it was Jesus. He's at a wedding, it's a week-long celebration. And at this wedding, they run out of wine. Now, some might even say that's not a problem. (laughs) I know we're hot off the heels of New Year's Eve. But sometimes running out of alcohol is actually not the problem. You should turn to water anyway, right? But in the midst of this scenario, God in Jesus Christ says, no, there's no problem too small. Let's make some wine. And that's his first miracle. And what this reminds us of, he's not just the God for the big things. He's the God of the minutia, of the annoyance, of the sliver in my finger that I just want solved. He still has strength, compassion for that. And so if we're taking notes, his strength, he comforts every trial. There's nothing you have to handle by yourself. He's got time, he's got power, he's got heart for it. But what will this year bring? I don't know. I really hope it's a good year. I do. I hope things go swimmingly. But what if bad things happen? What if we're facing a continued recession? What if we're facing the worst of the worst? What if that comes our way? I have a vision of what this message could do for us. To talk about that, I wonder if Paul knew how he was going to be delivered. So Paul was facing the riot in Ephesus and I have a hunch that he wouldn't have guessed how he was going to be delivered. Now, he'd been delivered by angels in the past and earthquakes and all these things, but he probably wouldn't have guessed. Now, do you know how he was delivered in Ephesus? can read Acts chapter 19. A clerk, a city clerk. So the city clerk stands up in the midst of the riot and says this, says, "'You have brought these men here, "'though they have neither robbed temples "'nor blasphemed our goddess. "'As it is, we're in danger of being charged with rioting "'because what has happened today?' In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion since there is no reason for it. And through those words of a city clerk, the crowd dissipated and their lives were spared and he was delivered. And from that experience, Paul has this confidence, wow, I I didn't expect that, to say this, that he's delivered us from such deadly peril and he will deliver us. And I actually have hope that he's going to continue to do the very same thing. Now, how this relates in our own lives is, um, I don't know how you're doing handling the problems of life. I have a growth mindset on handling the problems of life. Friends, I'm not there yet. But something that I love is Pastor Jeff. Anyone else love Pastor Jeff? You should see him in the midst of problems, big problems. Love this guy. Because when I'm hitting the DEFCON 5 button, he's calm and confident. And I've scratched my head, I'm like, why is that? Why, Why aren't you freaking out? Like, Dustin, I've been through some things. And he doesn't say it exactly like Paul said it, but basically he's saying, I've been delivered before. And I actually have confidence that I'm going to be delivered again. And so Pastor Jeff would testify that when problems come, he doesn't freak out, he just gets curious. Because even though he doesn't know the solution yet, he has confidence that a solution is going to come. What if we could do that? What if instead of worrying like the worst thing that's going to happen is going to happen because it usually never does, what if in the midst of our problems this year we just got curious? We stopped troubling our trouble, being over-anxious, and just said, God, you have delivered me, and so I know you will deliver me, and on this I'm going to set my hope. Dear friends, his strength is enough for that. Because he delivers us from every possible. Now, before we go, a reminder that this is a word we need to share, that others need this sense, this comfort. Before we go, I want to share with you a quote that kind of scared me early on in ministry. I came across a pastor saying something to this degree that God will use you to the degree he breaks you. <laughs> Now, as a young pastor, uh, wanting things to go my way, I didn't want to be broken. (laughs) God will use you to the degree he breaks you. But then I saw God's faithfulness. And I knew that as he allowed certain things, he was not only pruning me and making me rely on himself, he was also making me an effective minister. Not in spite of what i had been through, but because of it. Because now, whatever I've been through, I can now help others with empathy with comfort, with a God who can deliver you from that one because he's delivered me. And that's what Paul said we should do with God's comfort. He said he comforts us in our troubles, not just for us, not just for our own pruning, not just for our own reliance on God, but so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. What I mean to say is that other people are going to need you this year. And they're going to need you not to share your strength and, and your hope and your answers. They're going to need you to share God's strength and his hope and his answers and how God can get them through. And so I'd encourage you as, as something for Christian community to join a, a group. And we have like five you could be in. We're asking for one. Um, starting points are your, your first step, but, but a home group, a men's or women's group, join a group, so that you can share the comfort you've received. Because here's what happens in group life. People come with problems because they never stop. And you're going to come across someone who's been in a problem that you've already experienced, and that's your moment. Not to point to yourself, but to point to a God who comforts and delivers. May he give you strength to do that. Amen. And the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. And now we get to encourage one another and comfort one another with the idea that we have the same faith, that we're not alone in following Jesus. And so we're going to confess our common faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit